0: This is Tyler Lancaster, and you're listening to Outside the Tundra with Josh Frey-Sam.
1: Rodgers gets the snap, blitz is on, Rodgers scrambles left, winds up, him Rainbow. he's got Cobb at the 10, to the 5, yes. to the end zone, touchdown! Throws the left sideline. right the Down the sidelines, from on way to the clear, to the 40, to the 30, to
0: the 20! He turned 32 yesterday, does he have a vintage moment in?
1: The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. And there is your dagger. And now, Outside the Tundra with Josh Frysam.
0: Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to Outside the Tundra. Josh Frysam here. My mic still is not working, but we are surviving here. We got a, We have an exciting episode for you guys today. I told you guys we were going to get some guests on this podcast and that is exactly what we did. We're starting off with a banger of a guest. Andy Herman, Packers blogger, has the inside scoop. I'm talking to him about minicamp, what he saw there, what he expects to see at training camp. A little bit of things in between. We have a little bit of fun at the end. It was a really exciting interview and Andy is one of my more exciting follows on Twitter. Very witty individual and I really enjoyed this interview and I hope you guys do as well. So without further ado my interview with andy herman all right it's my pleasure to welcome packers blogger owner of the pack a day podcast and truly one of the more enjoyable follows i have on uh, twitter andy herman andy how you doing today man
1: hey i'm doing great thanks so much for that very kind introduction i appreciate it and glad to be talking with you
0: absolutely it's uh it's it's i do enjoy following you andy you uh you make you make the reporting process for us Packers fans a lot more fun. You post a lot of funny little snippets and whatnot on Twitter, so I definitely appreciate your wittiness and whatnot on the platform. <laughs> uh, sometimes it's it's uh, cannot be as fun to to follow some people, but uh, I definitely appreciate what you do. But Andy, um, let's jump right into it here. I, I wanted to talk to you about a couple big things today. A the mini camp because I know you were at mini camp Packers mini camp for a couple weeks there. Um, I want the inside track uh, for, to start off with this, what, what, what did you see while you were at Packers camp? What are some of the first, what's maybe the first thought that comes to your mind when you think back to those couple of weeks as to, to what you saw in the field there?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest story, right. Was, was Jordan love, whether we wanted it to be or not. I think that, that is just story and focus one. A, I mean, there's nothing that Jordan love did during you know many camps or OTAs that you went unnoticed and, you know i think the first aspect of this is green bay used almost every single rep that they had in practice at quarterback for jordan love i mean i know they had other guys in camp and they even brought in a, a fifth quarterback it didn't matter. This was the Jordan Love show for the entirety of of um, minicamp and OTAs. So um, I think when you go back to last season and the fact that he didn't have, you know, OTAs, didn't have rookie minicamp, didn't have minicamp, didn't have preseason, comes into training camp and is behind you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers is behind Tim Boyle, goes into the season and is behind Aaron Rodgers, behind Tim Boyle, just didn't get those snaps. So the fact that he's able to get all of those snaps and really kind of catch up from not being able to have those a season to go, uh, you know, obviously I think a lot of people would have preferred that, you know, QB 12 is is at practice and, and with his team, but um, those those reps and that practice was invaluable for love. And as far as, you know, how he practiced, um, you know, exactly as you would expect a young, talented rookie to be. He was up and down in um, an inexperienced, I I guess I can't say rookie, basically like a redshirt rookie since he didn't do anything a season ago. Um, but uh ups and downs, struggled at times, didn't look confident or comfortable in the pocket at times with uh moments of of uh, greatness which unfortunately happened on the day that i was not at practice so um i think we can only say with all fairness that it would be my fault that uh when i was there he didn't perform quite as well but um you know in all seriousness it was great to hear that on that day that i wasn't there that he was apparently tearing it up and had his best day as a green bay packer
0: no doubt and and i and we'll definitely return back to jordan love in just shortly later on uh in in the interview process here but I'm kind of curious as well. Obviously, Jordan Love, like you said, was a focus for a lot of media questions and just overall, just the entire camp. You said it was the Jordan Love show, but I, I think I have a okay understanding, uh, maybe from an outsider's perspective, as to he's he's a developmental process. He's still in the developmental process right now. But I'm also curious as about the people that could be protecting him. What did you see out of uh, rookie Josh Myers at minicamp?
1: Yeah, I mean, so it's so hard when you've, you know, they've got about maybe 15, you know, minutes ish of team activities during these practices. So I think I was at, you know, four practices um, and maybe it was more than it was four or five. Um, so basically I get about an hour of, of time watching team activities and during that hour, there's 80 different guys practicing, you know, and the majority of that hour is dedicated to who's playing where and what is Jordan Love doing, because that's what everyone's going to want to know. So, You know, it it leaves very little time for you to be able to watch the minutia of offensive and defensive line play. And just based on where you're at on the field um, from a a media standpoint, it it doesn't allow a great vantage point to see in some of the minutia of offensive and defensive line play. So when you are like looking, wondering why like reporters focus on certain things. Um, It's because there's certain things that they can see well and they can focus on during that time. And there's other things that they can't really see that well. It's really tough to see interior offensive line play in that. That being said, I think the big takeaways here were the fact that Josh Myers, I believe, don't quote me on this, but I believe as I was there, I think he took every snap with the ones at center. Um, so, I mean, that obviously bodes very well to what they think of him to being able to come in and compete at that center position, um, you know, right, right away and, and going into training camp and preseason. It certainly by no means guarantees him the starting spot, but it, it's a really good sign that he's somebody that they think can handle that from day one uh, of rookie minicamps, OTAs, minicamps, et cetera. So I think that's the big thing. And the other thing, you know, sticking with the rookies here is, is Royce Newman got a ton of opportunities as well, practiced with the ones at right guard. Guard, right tackle and at left guard at different times um, throughout the mini camps and OTA. So he's another player that you can tell that they're putting a lot on those guys' plates to see what they can handle, what they can hang with. And then, I mean, I think we'll know more with how those rotations may look once they get a little bit further along into training camp.
0: Yeah. And, and Royce Newman was another guy I had marked down here that I wanted to ask you about too. So I'm glad you, you, you jumped ahead on that as well. I'm, I'm really interested to see how Josh Myers and Royce Newman progress and and you know when they might start i think that a lot of people are expecting Josh Myers to maybe get a get a start before Royce Newman but we'll see how it, how it all works out um just from i i don't really talk too much about on outside the tundra here i don't i haven't really addressed the Aaron Rodgers situation too too much i gave my little my piece on the matter and I I don't really actually want to talk about his personal situation because honestly, it's all speculation at this point. We think we know, but we don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. So, um, But with that all being said, just from you being there at a couple of different mini camps now in in your uh, professional career, what do you think it is exactly? Do you think that Aaron Rodgers, him not being there, is there anything that's actually missing there besides, like, is it just the veteran presence that is kind of missing there, or or what do you think that Aaron Rodgers himself brings to mini camp um, besides just that that overwhelming that that massive presence that go presence?
1: Yeah, that's an interesting question. I, frankly, on the field, him not being at OTAs and mini camps, I don't think means a whole heck of a lot. Now, can it help in certain areas? Yeah, So one of those areas certainly would have been getting on the pa- same page with a Devin Funchess, right? Um, getting on the same page as an Amari Rogers. Um, getting on the same page, taking snaps from, um, from Josh Myers. Like those are things that absolutely you can start gaining muscle memory with and start gaining um, a little bit of continuity with is, is those sort of things. So I do think that those things can start mattering. Is it something that you can pick up in training camp? Yes. But ultimately we're at a point in time now in the NFL where there's just so limited practice time, you know, in the off season, in training camp, in, and even during the season that, uh, really, any time that you can get reps with those type of players to start developing that rapport, the better. Now, overall, I, th- I guarantee you, Matt LaFleur for the most part, was able to accomplish what he wanted to accomplish. They got their young quarterback a ton of reps. They were able to do the installs that they were supposed to do. Aaron Rodgers isn't going to miss any of that stuff. He can come in and start a game tomorrow, as we all know, and not have any issues whatsoever. Um, and then, you know, I think, you know, if he shows up during training camp or at some point in there, he's going to be able to catch up on all that stuff so quickly. So I don't think it means a ton, but, you know, for those rookies, for those new guys, for, you know, players that are, you know, looking for him to be at camp and be that leader, I think he can have a little bit of an effect. And I think just ultimately, what you want as a coach is you want these players to start coming together and and you know becoming a team and having that camaraderie and then when guys are missing it just it it's it you know hurts that overall team mentality and it's it hurts that process of building that camaraderie now again i want to say very clearly that can all pick up very easily in training camp but if there's anything that you miss from that i think it's those sort of things
0: mm-hmm. Let's move on to training camp as you say that. And, and I wanted to talk about some of the training camp battles that we, that we can probably expect to see here. There's a lot of interesting things happening on this roster. There's a, a nice mix of, of veteran leadership, but also we've got some of these young guys. We've had a really, a really exciting draft class this season um, that, and some guys that can really make some impacts in their first season. With that being said, Let's actually just start at the quarterback position here um, as one of the training camp battles. Do you think that, let's just say hypothetically Aaron Rodgers, I, I don't even really want to talk about it being hypothetical, but let's just talk about Aaron Rodgers. Let's say he's not there. Um, do you see Jordan Love as him because he got so many of the training camp snaps? Do you think that he is QB one next in line? Or do you think that Blake Bortles could take over that starting spot? um, being that he's a veteran.
1: Yeah. Ba- I mean, based off of what we saw at mini camp, I think it's, I think the leader in the clubhouse certainly is Jordan love. What I would say is this, the first thing you have to recognize is the optics of everything, right? So if Aaron Rodgers isn't there and Jordan love is the, is your quarterback and everyone sort of from an outside standpoint, feels like the reason that Aaron Rodgers might be gone is because you selected Jordan love a season ago. If he's not ready to play and he's not ready to go, the optics on that don't look the greatest. And you have to go from Aaron Rodgers to Blake Bortles. Again, the optics on that don't look the greatest. So there's, there's a chance that just the the overarching pressure of, 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 you know, the PR and everything like that, mm-hmm. you know, makes that decision for you and that you have to start getting Jordan love out in the field and seeing what he's capable of, because let's be real in that situation, you know, Brian Goodican's job is, is probably pair, you know, fairly paired to um, to Jordan love at that. Yeah. that standpoint. So I think that's number one, I think number two and what's most important here and what I think ultimately happens hopefully is that if Aaron Rodgers is in fact gone literally the most important aspect of the green bay packers over the next 2 to 3 seasons is making sure that jordan love develops into a, a top flight nfl quarterback. now i'm not saying he's got to be a top 5, but you know ideally top 10, top 12 level quarterback at some point in time. that that becomes 1a. if if rogers is gone and that entire process went, you know, the the way you didn't want it to go and he retires or you have to you're forced to trade him or whatever, the most important thing for this franchise is that you make sure Jordan Love is good. And if Jordan Love needs more time and you think it's going to wreck his confidence if he's in there week one and he's not ready to go, then you start Blake Bortles and you make sure that you wait until Jordan Love's ready and his confidence is ready if you think that he needs every rep that he can get and the only way that he's going to get better is by taking those reps out on the field and that his confidence won't be shaken. He just needs to get those live reps, which I tend to believe is the more likely of the scenarios, then you make sure you get him out there and you have those reps, whether it means you're going to go 0 17 or 17, and or anything in between. So uh, the moment Rogers is gone, the focus doesn't become on winning a Super Bowl anymore, and I know fans maybe don't want to hear that. But if you're, if we're being realistic, the odds of winning a Super Bowl in, in 2021 mostly go out the window. I'll never say never because everything and anything seems to happen in sports these days. But if for the most part, you're not looking at Super Bowl anymore. At that point, you have to look at making sure Jordan Love is good, and that becomes your focus immediately.
0: And and that's a great point because I, I look at it and that's kind of the same thing I was looking at too was, okay, well, if, if Jordan Love is ready for week one, well, okay, that's, that's one thing. But on the other hand, if Blake Bortles is showing good things in, in uh, camp and, and Jordan Love is showing good things in camp, well, okay. I know that you are saying that Super Bowl either way is pretty much going out the window, but if at the end of the day, your goal is to win and we do have a roster that, really does look like we can compete. It has competed over the past couple of seasons and it can, it has proven that it can make a deep run. Do you go with the quarterback that gives you the best opportunity to make a deep run? Or is it like you just finished saying, um, you know, you go with Jordan love and, and you have to start looking forward to the future. How much weight do you think that they are giving that, that, that that fact that maybe Blake Bortles just going with the veteran um, is just going to give us the best opportunity this year, even if they, truly do feel that maybe the Super Bowl isn't the best. uh, We don't have the best chances at a Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, I mean if if Blake Bortles is your best opportunity to win games, I think you've answered your own question as just you know as, as to where you're at as a team, right? And it, it's not to be disrespectful to Blake Bortles and obviously should have been in a Super Bowl. They should have beat the Patriots if the refs get the call right on the Miles Jack play with Nathaniel Hackett as offensive coordinator and Blake mm-hmm. Bortles as as quarterback of that team. So again, crazier things have happened. We've seen Jared Goff in the Super Bowl. We've seen Trent Dilfer in the Super Bowl. Blake Bortles should have been there. We've seen, you know, we've we've seen this happen before. Um, so it's not completely out of the question. I just think if you, if you look at everything, taking a, you know, zoom everything out for a second, like it is so hard to win a Super Bowl in this day and age, and you have to get everything right. You have to stay healthy. You need something to, you know, something magical to happen seemingly throughout the season where everyone just clicks and gets on the same page. Like what happened at the end of the year, last year with Tampa Bay, like you need so many things to go right. If your season kicks off with Aaron Rodgers not playing for your team, having a ton of drama, and now your Blake Bortles is your starting quarterback, things are so far off on on the wrong foot that it is going to be it's it's going to be tough to just recover from that and make it a competitive season. And I, I want to be very clear: I think this team with Love or Bortles or you know either of those guys, yeah, I think could be a very competitive football team, and I think they can compete in the NFC North. But my my overarching point here is. Whatever run they make, I would be beyond shocked if that ends in in holding up a Lombardi Trophy, right? And at that point, there's a million different ways that people look at this, and and people's fandom very much differs. But you know, for me, if you, if you realize that 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 likelihood of that Super Bowl is kind of out the window now, it's time to talk about development. I'm not talking about tanking. I'm not ch- talking about getting better draft picks, but it's figuring out how you develop your young players and get better for when that Super Bowl window does open. It's not about, you know, trying to, you know, go all in to win a Super Bowl right now. And I think that's what makes this entire scenario so unique for Green Bay is before all of this Rogers stuff seemingly happened, they went basically all in to bring all their guys back to make a one more run this season, which makes this all that much more complex and probably why they don't want to trade in Aaron Rodgers right now is because they already mortgaged a good chunk of their future to try to win this season with Aaron Rodgers. So they're, they're just in this really, really unique situation. And uh, again, I think if Rodgers goes, you have to quickly pivot and try to figure out a way that you can open up that next window, ideally with Jordan law, that quarterback.
0: Well, let's pivot to the rest of the roster here. What, what are you looking at? Because as we, as, as many people know, when you are entering training camp, there's really only a handful of spots open, right? And especially this year, I believe the roster, correct me if I'm wrong, the rosters are going back to 53-man rosters, right?
1: Yeah, it's, it's going to be 53 again. Um, It's just, we haven't known exactly yet what the, the practice squad situation is going to be. Can you call up players? You know, how many people are going to be on the practice squad? There's rumors as to what it's going to be, but nothing's exactly been finalized, but yeah, still 53 man roster as of right now.
0: Well, and, and, and so with that being said, we are there there are only a handful of 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 spots available. Um, what are some of the other training camp battles that you're keeping your eye on and that maybe we should get hyped up about uh, entering training camp here?
1: Yeah, so I'll, I'll go through a couple of those quick. I, I think you know the the number three running back position is something that certainly intrigues me. Kylan Hill, Patrick Taylor, kind of leading the way, Dexter Williams as well. Really want to see what happens along the offensive line in regards to not only who's the starters, but who gets those last kind of swing offensive line positions and developmental offensive line positions. I want to see if TJ Slayton can make some noise along the defensive line. You know, who really makes up the linebacker rotation? We saw some Ty Summers. We saw some Kamal Martin. We saw some Chris Barnes. Now they bring in Devondre Campbell. How does that all shake up? Where does Eric Stokes play um, a part into everything? Those, Those are kind of the main things. But maybe more importantly, I think a lot of times we get caught up of, like, who's the 52nd and 53rd guys on the roster. But we kind of lose track of the fact that, ultimately what wins Super Bowls more often than not is great players and and superstar players. And what I'm really keeping an eye out for this off season is can any of the really good, you know, good to really good players go from good to really good to, to great or even beyond that? Players like Darnell Savage, players like Rashawn Gary, you know, um, th- those are two players specifically that I think have the opportunity to go from, from good or really good to, to great and really take the next step as a playmaker. Again, what? not that I want to put too much pressure on him, but what can Eric Stokes bring to the table as a cornerback? Can he be, you know, good to really good right away? Yeah, you know, on the offensive, on the offensive side of the ball, I think Robert Tunyon can make still another jump. Can he go from good to really good to great? Like I want to see, and I MVS is another player. I think he has in his arsenal the ability to be great. Can can the next batch of players step up this season while you still have the Aaron Joneses, the Devontae Adams, hopefully the Aaron Rodgers, the David Bakhtiaris, um, you know, the the Zadarius Smiths and Kenny Clarks and Jair Alexanders, you have all of these core players that are really good right now can another group of players take a leap into that space and really make you an elite football team by having, you know, 10 of these guys. So it's, it's those players that I'm watching to see because after, after you get out of your great players, like the difference between like the good to average players, there's just not that much difference. Everyone has these players on every single team and they're generally not your difference makers. What you want to do is you want to build your roster with the high-end players, get these guys to be great. Um, and those are the guys that are going to carry you. And then hopefully that you don't have any weak links on your team. So, um, those, those will be the things that I'm kind of looking for at camp.
0: I love that. Do you just speaking of your of our linebacker position here, um, if you had to make a prediction right now, who do you see starting for us week one at, at the linebacker spot with kind of that being kind of a question mark for us in our defense?
1: Yeah, I think Chris Barnes is the guy. If I had to guess today, I think he's your number one that kind of plays consistently down in 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 down out. And then it wouldn't surprise me if they had roles for just about everyone else in in a variety of ways. I think I think Ty Summers probably ends up being more of a special teams guy. Uh, But I think Kamal Martin you could see on some early downs. I think Devondre Campbell you could see on some early downs. Um, I think. You know, I think it's going to be Barnes and maybe even Adrian Amos in the box on passing downs. Maybe Vernon Scott gets involved in that discussion. I think you're going to see different players be used in different roles, but I still at this point in time kind of expect Chris Barnes to be the guy in the middle of the defense.
0: And I look at a guy like even Oren Burks and that's a guy who I've actually just been, I've been really high on. I, I don't want to give up on him, but it just, it just hasn't quite clicked yet. And I, I just, I'm rooting for him. I really am. I'm pulling for him, but I, I just not quite sure about Oren Burks yet. I, I even liked what I saw about out of Ty Summers when he originally joined the Packers. And, and uh, like you said, I, I agree with you. I think that he might just be reserved for the special teams. Um, looking at kind of maybe a position, am I overlooking this, Andy or overthinking it. I should say the punter battle, JK Scott and (laughs) Brian Winslow being there.
1: No, I I don't think so. I think that's a legitimate battle. And I think Winslow will have an opportunity to make the team. Listen, I mean, I I think you have to give every ounce of competition possible to JK Scott. So often it's inconsistency that can kill a team. And as a coach, Kevin King's just a glowing example of this, right? you you the, the hard thing of kevin king is you don't know if you're going to get an a or an f or anything in between in any given game like if he gives you a c uh against tampa bay you might be headed to the super bowl and he just happened you know i think injuries maybe played a part but he gave you an f in that game and you head out um you know out, out around early and you don't get to the super bowl and you the, that's the thing like if and if he gives you an a in that game if he gives you one of his best kevin king games they might run away with that game. You know, like it's just, it, it really is difficult to have inconsistent players where you just don't know what you're going to get on any given day. And JK Scott is right there with that player where you don't know if you're going to get, you know, four punts of 55 yards with just insane hang time or two shanks, a 30 yarder and a ball that directly, you know, 55 yarder, but straight at the the returner, like you just don't know what you're going to get. So I think this is a really big offseason for JK Scott.
0: No doubt about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious myself, just to, you already alluded to it a bit, with the offensive line, there's just, uh, the one thing I love about our offensive line personally is just the fact that we have so much versatility, and even, even we, we showed it with with draft picks like Josh Myers, even Royce Newman this year, those are guys that um, are a little bit interchangeable along the line of scrimmage there. We have Lucas Patrick and Elton Jenkins, who are another, and Billy Turner, who are other examples of the versatility along the offensive line. So just seeing where those guys eventually slot into where, you know, Matt Lafleur and, and the rest of that coaching staff see them as best fits um, and to put down their best five linemen. Hopefully David Bakhtiari is a part of those best five on week one, but putting down their best five linemen for week one, that's going to be a super interesting battle. And then another one that I'm just kind of really looking at is, is that cornerback position with Jair Alexander's obviously cemented, but I know that there's a little bit of rumblings with, with whether or not Eric Stokes could maybe possibly take over Kevin King in some way, shape, or form. I'm not overly um, buying that too much personally, but I guess only time will tell. And then you even have a guy like and Sullivan who's sitting there as well. Um, Shamar Jean-Charles, like, is there – what what are you seeing? What did you see when you were looking at his tape? I know that you have a background in scouting. Um, what were some of the things on tape that, that uh, stuck out to you for on Shamar Jean Charles.
1: <laughs> Shamar Charles is a really interesting player. So like, I when I watch TJ Slate and I I can pick up on like four or five things that I'm just like, okay, I'm super excited about this prospect, and I think he if he puts it together can be a really intriguing player for this team. I watch Shamar Charles, and I struggle to pick up on one thing that I can grasp onto and say. This is what he does well, or this is what he's going to be great at. Like my example, like you look at his overall agility, you look at his overall speed, you look at his size, you look at like any trait out there, nothing's that spectacular. You look at what he does on tape and you watch it consistently. There's nothing that you can pick up on and say, all right, that's, what's going to help him win at the NFL level. Then you go and like kind of put the entire puzzle together and you watch up, watch him break up a ton of passes, barely allow completions. He comes into rookie minicamp and OTAs and and continues to batter, bat away passes with some level of consistency, not get beat one-on-one with Amari Rogers and uh, on a slant route beats him to the spot, breaks up that pass. He just has it. There's nothing that you can pick up on as a trait that you can say like, all right, that's why Shamar Jean Charles is going to be great but you hear people talk about, you know, a player just has an intangible or an it quality and you can't put your finger on it. I don't know what it is about Shamar Jean Charles, but there's something there that he just gets it. And he just figures out ways to make a play on the ball, be at the right place at the right time. And that, that is not a tangible thing that you can write down in a scouting report, but you can feel it. And there are some players that when you watch on tape, the tape lies. And when you see him in person, you just kind of go, Oh, okay. I, I get it a little bit more now. And for me, it was that way with Shamar Jean Charles a little bit where when I watched him on tape, I'm just like, all right, this guy's, he's not going to make it. There's nothing there. And you kind of see him in person and you see how he operates and you're like, all right, I kind of get it. I kind of like it. I'm excited to see what he can develop into. I, I still think in the NFL more often than not, you have to have something, a, a trait, uh, uh, closing speed, click and close agility, quick hips something that kind of gets you over the top, but, um, screw it. I I'm, I'm intrigued to see what he can bring to the table, just based on what I saw in, in OTAs and minicamp. And just, again, when you put the overall picture together.
0: Well, Andy, here's the last question I'll ask you here for this, uh, for this uh, interview here on on the training camp aspect of things. Um, Let's talk about, you talked about how we, you know, we need to build from, from the, our superstar players and and down go from there, but let's go to those maybe 51, 52, 53 men on our roster here. Do you have a sleeper or someone who maybe Packers fans don't know too much about that you'll be kind of keeping an eye on to, or maybe even hoping that they might be able to sneak onto the roster. Someone who's uh, intrigued you.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be the same, one of the same guys have had the last two seasons. And that's uh, KB and Ento and uh, a couple of reasons, you know, one, we forget, I think quickly that he made the 53 a season ago, even battling injuries throughout camp. They thought that highly of him that they put him on the 53 and then, you know, release somebody else just to be able to put him on IR to bring, you know, bring him back at some point, if he was, if if he was able to, unfortunately he was never, never able to, uh, but they thought that highly of him to keep him on the roster and not put him on waivers or put him on IR. So he'd be out for the season. So they really liked him a season ago is I guess what I'm trying to say there. This is somebody that caught my eye two years ago in training camp where he's a wide receiver in college, didn't play corner in the past, comes into his first training camp, consistently made plays on the ball, showed those wide receiver ball skills and looked far ahead of anyone that, you know of anything that should possibly be on the field as a player who was just playing wide receiver at college. in college. He made the transition very smoothly. And then um, again, basically has some injuries at the end of his first camp. Um, I, I forget if he was on IR if he made the practice squad that first year. Comes back, makes the team the second year. Ends up on IR the entirety of the year, but comes back in OTAs and mini camps. Man, if you if you just want to look at the eye test. KB and Ento passes it really, really quickly. He's got the ball skills. He's the number one gunner that they had on uh, the punt units. And that's a huge thing. Usually those guys are pretty much, if you're the the punt gunner going into the, the last few weeks of preseason, last couple of weeks of preseason, you're the number one guy like you're usually making the roster. So um, that's a guy that I'm still very, very high on. And man, if he can just stay healthy and not have the Raven green effect of just this really talented undrafted free agent that just can't stay healthy. I'm hoping that's not the case, but um, I, and I want to be clear here. I'm not saying that KB Nento is going to come in and start games at corner for the Packers, but if we're talking about a fringe roster guy who can help on special teams and maybe um, be a guy that if you need a fifth, sixth corner to come in and play a little bit, could do that. You know, I, I, I like his chances.
0: I love that, Andy. I love that. Well, thank you. I appreciate your uh, your insights on mini camp and training camp. We got about a five week or so lull here before we uh, we light the fireworks off here, at Lambeau Field and whatnot. But I um, uh, appreciate your time. And hey, if you are game, I, I put together. I didn't tell you about this before uh, we started the recording, but I put together a couple players based on twenty twenty stats. Do you want to play a game of guess the Packer here?
1: Yes, I will do so, but I, I I'm not confident I'm in in my stat knowledge here, but I'm I'm excited to try.
0: That's okay. Let's go guess the packer. I got four examples for you. The way this is going to work, rapid fire. I'll give you four um, I guess stats of sorts from last season, and then if you cannot guess that player, then I will give you a bonus clue um, okay. to to help you out. All right. So this player appeared in 13 games in 2020, two sacks, 42 No. Ah, okay. 42 tackles, three tackles for a loss, three TFLs. All
1: right, read them to me one more time since I was rude and interrupted.
0: No worries, Uh, it appeared in 13 games. He had 42 tackles, three TFLs, and two sacks. Let me know if you need the bonus clue.
1: All right, so 13 games. Not Kiki. I can't imagine it's an edge rusher. That's really interesting stat line. Um I feel like it could be Preston, but I think he had to have more. Maybe it's Preston Smith.
0: It is not. I'll give you the I'll give you the bonus. Right. You're you're getting warm though with your first guess. Uh last year this player signed a 4-year, $70 million contract extension.
1: A 4-year, $70 million contract extension. He
0: did. You were warm with Kingsley Kiki there.
1: Oh, Kenny Clark.
0: That is Kenny Clark. You got that one. There we go. I thought, yeah, it was. Uh, it was interesting. Interesting uh, looking up some of these stats. Come putting together this uh, little exercise. It was interesting seeing some of these stats. You don't really maybe look at them as a whole um, yeah. at, at the end, but uh, seeing them come together like this, it's it's super intriguing. All right, on to the next one. This player appeared in all 16 games in 2020. Uh, had two interceptions. 83 tackles and two sacks.
1: Darnell Savage or Adrian
0: Amos? You got it on your second one. That is Adrian Amos. I was going to say
1: Amos first too. I should have. Oh, well.
0: Jack of all trades kind of guy. I love Adrian Amos. Uh, Consummate professional. Um, All right. Let's go on to our third guy here. Appeared in 14 games in 2020. 150 touches. 741 yards from scrimmage and averaged 4.2 yards per carry.
1: Um, Jamal Williams.
0: Great call. And you want to know what? Now that I was reading that to you, is that I, I, was, uh, I was realizing that this is Guess the Packer, and he is no longer technically a Packer. But we were basing this on 2020 Packers. So. All good, all good. <laughs> that was a great guess, though. All right, last one here for you, Andy, before I let you go. This player appeared in four games for the Packers in 2020. He had five total touches on the season, but he had 100% catch rate with those five targets, but he also had one fumble on the year.
1: Josiah Deguara. No. Hmm. Um.
0: I I will give you the bonus clue here his first appearance in a Packers uniform and 2020 as a whole, for that matter, didn't come until week
1: 13. Dominic Daphne. No. Um, Can you read the stats one more time?
0: Sure. Tavon Austin, You're-
1: Tavon Austin.
0: There you go. You got that one. There you go. That's nice. I, I, it's it's tough remembering. That was uh, definitely the toughest one I could come up with because uh, Tavon Austin obviously wasn't uh, a huge factor production wise for the Green Bay Packers last year, but that was a good guess from you. Um, Andy, man, thank you very, very much for for your time. Really appreciate it and uh, your insight there. And uh, hopefully you enjoy the next five, five and a half weeks or so before training camp kicks off and uh, hopefully have fun at training camp when it does roll around.
1: Uh, it sounds great. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Well, there you have it, guys. That was the interview. Andy Herman was a tremendous guest. I really appreciate him coming on to the podcast being our first big guest here on ott i hope you guys enjoyed that interview as much as i did and listen hopefully we can have him back on at some point in time maybe when the regular season is underway and uh, we can get some mid-season thoughts or something like that in the meantime i'm going to continue to work to get some exciting guests on here um provide some exciting content for you guys to listen to but otherwise be sure to follow us on twitter at outside tundra but be sure to follow me on twitter My personal account, at JFrySam. Be able to see those in the podcast uh, details there. Otherwise, I do appreciate you guys listening to Outside the Tundra. I'm Josh Fry Sam. We'll see you guys next time.